1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. This is our official preview for the 2022 Penn State Blue and White Game happening this Saturday, April 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern, live on the Big Ten Network. Our own Matt McGloin is going to be a part of that coverage on BTN, as will be our guest Penn State legend, uh, one of the best names in the history of professional football as well. Matt Millen is our guest here on the Pater Podcast. He's going to give us some insight in terms of what he's looking at for this team for 2022, what his expectations are coming off of, I think we can all say, a disappointing 2021 season for the Penn State Nittany Lions, who he's going to be looking for, what the blue-white game is all about. And since Matt and Matt were both a part of the ESPN (laughs) E60 that came out this past Monday regarding the Paterno legacy, we are going to delve into that very briefly. But this is predominantly all about the blue-white game. So before we go any further, I want to thank you all for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights and even next season's futures and don't forget major league baseball is back as well who are you picking to win the world series now bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino and poker games it's super easy to get started so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit the Pater Podcast. Is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. Now, of course, we're big fans of the Citrus IPA and the Silent Disco IPA. However, we want to let you know that arriving this month is Funk Brewing's Pipe Dream Hazy Imperial IPA. It's got hints of lemon rind, strawberries, lemongrass, and finishes like a fruity New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. McGloin loves that. Now, the Pipe Dream Hazy Imperial IPA is available as of today. 420. That's April 20th. You get it? Pipe Dream. 420. You're going to love it. You can get Pipe Dream at Funk's Tap Rooms now in Emmaus, Elizabethtown in York. And of course, you can find Funk Brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Speaking of Funk's Tap Rooms, we want to let you know that the tap room in Emmaus has moved locations. Now there's even more seating available in a very comfortable environment, plus a big screen and several more TVs, plus a permanent Flavor Nation food truck is on site. For more information on the new Emmaus location and more, visit funkbrewing.com, especially to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Now, Matt, normally for a blue-white game, I would be among the tens of thousands of Penn State fans that would be (laughs) heading to State College, Pennsylvania uh, to tailgate it because it's some of the best tailgating of the year. In fact, the best tailgate I ever went to, uh, I think, was my sophomore year or freshman in the sophomore year, my brother's tailgate that uh, he and his buddies threw in the IM field. They filled a truck bed full uh, like a tarp filled with ice and a bunch of beverages. Let's call it that. And <laughs> we worked our way through that. And as well as we uh, they set up a gigantic tarp that they turned into a slip and slide oh, in the IM great. fields. This was for the blue-white game, not That's even a great. real game. So uh, this is a fun weekend because the sun finally comes out in State College. Everybody's been living under a rock for four months uh, in the winter and you know no football. So this is fun. This is a really cool experience for Penn State fans to just get a little bit of a glimpse of what this team is going to be like. But even even saying that, Matt, We don't even really know what the format is going to be. We're recording this Tuesday. This episode comes out Wednesday. As of now, uh, the format has not been announced. And if it has been, then go check it out online. Uh, What are you expecting this blue-white game to look like?
2: I hope it looks like a game. (laughs) That's the point. That's the point of a spring game. And, you know, look, for me, it, it was always another chance Another opportunity to evaluate what you have, evaluate your talent. Where do we need to get better? Where do we think we're really good at right now? One more chance for you, if you're in a competition, to go out and prove you belong, prove you're a starter, prove you can help this team win football games. And, you know, there's obviously a a lot of things that I'm looking forward to seeing, Tom. I mean, I'll start with the quarterbacks offensively. You know, if, if you're a younger guy, what do you have to do to make a push? at a guy who is a 60 year quarterback at Penn state, right? You know, are we going to get a glimpse of the future at Penn state when it comes to quarterbacks? We'll see. Um, And and again, I wouldn't, you know, pay too much attention to stats or anything like that. It's more about how a guy looks right. How he gets in and out of the huddle um, his presence. Is he calm? Um, Is he in control not out of control Um, the offensive line, right? Are they playing together? Are they communicating well with one another? I'm excited to see Nick Singleton at the running back position, Tom. Right? Does he have that extra burst that that everybody's talking about? You know, when he gets the edge, is he gone? Right? Is there no way of catching him? So there's a lot of things offensively I'm looking forward to seeing, and it's just going to be great to be back inside Beaver Stadium, right? I mean, it, it it never gets old standing on that sideline.
1: Oh, I can only imagine. Uh, I always love being in the stadium for those games because it was just a nice. I don't know. It's just always so much fun. And it was just giving hope you know, for the next season. Obviously, the last two, three years have been disappointing for Penn State fans. So I think there is a lot of hope. There is a lot of positivity surrounding this team. So uh, we'll see what we can glean. Uh, personally, I'm really looking forward to you mentioned Nick Singleton. I'll throw in Katron Allen as yeah. well uh, at the running back position. And then there is the question of, you know, it's been raised quite a bit throughout camp is that there really aren't that many offensive linemen available, either due to you know guys that are physically on campus. As of right now, I believe nine scholarship offensive linemen that's going to jump to 11 within the next month, uh, which is great. But also health has been an issue along the offensive line. So there's maybe not going to be a ton that you see from the O-line and D-line are really butting heads and really getting after it, so we'll see what we can actually learn in that respect. Uh, For instance, I'm really looking forward to wide receiver cornerback matchups. Like, I want to see what Mitchell Tinsley's all about. I want to see if he's going to have an opportunity to line up against a Daquan Hardy, a Joey Porter Jr., or maybe it's a Kalen King, a guy that's trying to solidify himself as another starting corner for this team. Um, is there a particular pass catcher that you're like? Hey, I'd like to
2: see this guy do something. Um, you know, probably Malik Mega. Mm-hmm. Right, we've talked a lot about him on the podcast. Right, is this a year for him to make a push towards the top of the depth chart at the wide receiver position? I, I want to see and look again. Remember, this is going to be a watered down version of a game plan. Sure, you know, especially offensively. But I want to see if Yursich is going to start to incorporate more of the tight ends into his system. You know. I've always felt like they they were underutilized back in twenty twenty one and especially with some uncertainties at who's gonna be that number two guy behind Parker Washington, right? I think that's when you turn to the tight end. So it'll be interesting to see if Yurchits has incorporated them more in his offense this year. And we'll see if they're gonna be more of a plan as they, you know, head into the summer, head into the training camp and you know before they get ready to kick off in September. But you know, I'm glad you brought up a little bit of the defense because I, I wanna see just how much this defense has changed since Manny Diaz has taken over. And not, you know, in, in terms of what coverage is they're playing or anything like that, but just the motion, mm-hmm. right? Or guys flying around are, you know, uh, what's what are the reactions like? With is Manny Diaz. Yeah. W- what are the reactions like with Manny Diaz? Like, you know, how has the relationship progressed over the past few months with Manny Diaz and his team, with Manny Diaz and his players, right? Is everybody buying into what Manny Diaz um is selling? So looking forward to seeing that. Um, you know what who you know, who at the linebacker spot aside from Curtis Jacobs is ready to step up. Yes, um, I think that'll be a good indication of what to expect moving forward. Whether they play more nickel or they play more dime defensively, um, you know, this year. So, as much as we don't get to see a ton when it comes to game plans offensively or defensively, you know, when you break things down and look at these individual groups, th- th- there is a lot to still look forward to Saturday afternoon.
1: And again, coming back to the you know how much are we really going to see between the offensive line and the defensive line? It's really going to be a question of how's that communication with the linebackers. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Tyler Elsden, maybe starting to separate himself as the starting Mike linebacker, middle linebacker. So Jonathan Sutherland, we know about his transition from safety to uh, linebacker as well. Probably the strong side linebacker from what we're, we're learning. Uh, so how are those guys doing in, in coverage? How are they doing in terms of communicating uh, with Manny Diaz to your point? So I think, if you're a fan, I wouldn't get too hung up on where are the pass rushers, where are the run stoppers. It's just you know what. Let's see how these guys do in terms of assignments at the second and third level. Um, I do want to come back to something you would mentioned uh, in previous weeks on the podcast, uh, kind of in jest, in regards to your experience in the Blue White game. Is that offensively, you're like, oh, you only run eight plays. <laughs> you know, you were you were just kind of saying you know, basically they keep it simple. So walk us through that a little bit for those that obviously are not in the know.
2: Yeah, it's a basic game plan. You're going to run some quick game. There might be some play action. You'll run some go routes on the outside. Um, you know, you'll have the chance to uh, you know show off your arm strength a little bit. Fun stuff like that. But what I've always talked about, what I've always been talking about here now, Tom, is that it, it is the process running out in the field right? Being in charge, being a leader, make sure everybody's lined up in the correct spots, uh, understanding where the play clock is, being smooth, making it look effortless, right? And and I think what it comes down to, whether you're running one play, 10 plays, 100 plays, whatever it may be, you never want to put anything bad on film, right? Do your job, do it to the best of your ability, regardless of whether Mike Urch is just calling the same play or different plays. It doesn't matter, right? It's another opportunity for you to go out Play the game of football. Prove you belong. Um, you know, compete. tech, try to win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That, and that's, we'll see that's, what the
1: rules are, obviously. Like, yeah. nobody might be actually trying to win until the fourth quarter if it's close. Who knows? Yeah. No, or how? So, ma- whatever the timing stanzas they use. It could look, be completely warped.
2: Look, it's another opportunity to take the field inside Beaver Stadium, man. And, you know, uh, just again, looking back, man, now, you know, I'd love to have the chance to run out of that tunnel one more time. So... Again, even though it's the spring game and those 15 practices before it may have been more important, you know you only get so many chances to walk on that grass and play football inside Beaver Stadium, man. It's, it's special, so uh, make the most of it, no doubt.
1: Uh, one last thing on quarterbacks before we get to uh, our interview with Matt Millen here in just a moment, but you know I think it's pretty well known Sean Clifford is going to be the starter heading into 2022, barring something catastrophic, an injury, et cetera. Uh, or if one of these you know, uh, you know, backups, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. all of a sudden bows up during the summer. I don't expect that to happen, but nonetheless, we don't expect to see a lot of Sean Clifford. Do you think this is an opportunity where Veyu, Alar, or Perbula really can separate themselves in terms of that competition for who's going to be the decided backup quarterback the number 2 quarterback
2: that, that's a really good question yeah this is a chance for a guy like you to separate himself from the other two and cuz he should be we'll get a chance to see just how much he has progressed throughout the winter and throughout spring practices right i mean it, it, is he still making some of them you know mistakes he made last year in the in the you know the short amount of time we got to see him play um and then when you be able to compare him to the other two guys Right, you'll know. Right, oh, this guy is way ahead of where these two are at mentally and physically. Um, so, so that'll be one of the more important things to take a look at on Saturday. And then when you look at Alar and Prabula, for me, when I you know when I'm preparing to watch Alar on Saturday, I want to look for mechanics, footwork. Um, can he make all the throws right now? Right, I want I want to be able to see just how good the arm strength is, how good the accuracy is. Um, does he have everything? right now that he needs physically. And if he does, then obviously there's a chance, you know, moving forward, just has to continue to develop mentally, um, you know, really become a master of the playbook at that point. And then for Buell, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing just how athletic this kid is, um, how much of a gamer he is. Um, I want to be able to see him, you know, get outside the pocket, throw on the run. I want to watch him create a little bit um, as well. So uh, it's definitely fun. As you mentioned, we're probably not going to see a ton of Sean Clifford play, Um, But those three behind him, you know, they can all do things different. Um, You know, they all bring something different to the table. Um, And, uh, you know, it's certainly going to be fun to watch.
1: And it's basic stuff like you talked about clock management. Do you Mm -hmm. understand how to relay the play, the verbiage, just little baby steps? Uh, But I guarantee you this for the fans that do attend. And again, Penn State usually draws 50 to 70,000 fans for this blue white game. They're going to be behind the likes of Nick Singleton and Drew Allar, like they are rock stars. Mm-hmm. So if those guys go off, it's going to be a really warm reception for them uh, in Happy Valley. So I'm really excited to see it. I'm excited to see you and and Matt Millen on the broadcast for the big 10 network i'm gonna to have to watch it on a delay because i'll be calling impact wrestling's rebellion pay-per-view the same day in poughkeepsie so uh, i will be watching it over the weekend and then you and i are going to have ourselves a nice little recap episode uh mm-hmm. next wednesday of what went down at the blue white Games. so coming up in a matter of moments our full interview with matt millen here on pater but before we go any further i do want to talk to you about athletic greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that's top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar, and no chemicals or. Artificial anything. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a one year free supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash B-L-E-A-V believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. And, of course, all of us involved in the Pater Podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $203 million in the fight against childhood cancer and counting. To learn more about THON's year-long efforts or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on one more personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag Tag Me In and hashtag Tag Me In United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. All right. Joining us now here on the Pater Podcast, Pater a Penn State legend, frankly, a legend of football altogether. Matt Millen. Matt, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. I know McGloin uh, roped you into this because both of you are <laughs> working the blue-white game this Saturday on the Big Ten Network.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a rope. I, I you know, I. I don't know. Matt doesn't know this, but you know, he's named after me. So I felt obligated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This won't be hard. I'm going to have to call you Millen and McGloin. That, that'll that be fun. There you go. That worked. So, uh, Mr. Millen, uh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about how are you feeling nowadays? What's going on in your life? How are you feeling?
0: Yeah. So, so far so good. You know, I just, uh, I, I passed the three year mark actually. So it's going on three and a half years already, uh, that I've had this heart transplant. I'm my strength is back. My, I have some problems with my feet, but that was from the chemo. Um, I was on chemo for almost 11 months. So that kind of messed up my feet, but other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I've been very fortunate. So I have no complaints.
1: Well, you'll be able to make your way up to that, uh, very comfortable, luxurious Beaver stadium, media box. <laughs> I can't, can't beat that. <laughs> the best. Yeah, the catering is always good. I always enjoyed that. Um, so uh, before we go any further, uh, you know, Matt and I were talking about this before we got started, but uh, yourself and Matt were interviewed for the ESPN E60, the Paterno legacy that aired this past Monday night. Um, it, it was obviously just rehashing the events of 10 years ago. Uh, not a ton of new information necessarily came to light, but it was more reflecting on the legacy of Joe Paterno obviously very complicated and difficult to address um do you have anything on the subject that you know comes to mind after you've done the interview and now that that's out there for public consumption
0: well yeah the first thing that comes to mind is that i didn't get to see it so <laughs> we had people over so um the second thing is you know it was a tragedy then and it still is and anybody who's followed penn state and anybody who knows anything about joe and look Joe was, was Joe flawed. Yeah, absolutely. We, we all knew that. Nobody, anybody who spent any time with any person is going to know that. Um, but my, my position has been, and I don't know what they said, what they showed. Cause I talked a lot in that Um, My position has been had Joe lived, this whole thing would have been cleared up because one thing I knew about Joe Paterno was this, when you called him on something, he owned it. He wasn't one who tried to run away from it. He, he might, you know, he might be mad at you in, in, in the beginning and he'd scream and whatever, and then he'd come back and he'd, he'd say something. He's the only guy who's ever done that with me, uh, as you know, because uh, I may or may not have argued with a bunch of coaches over the course of time, and um, every one of them thinks they're 100% right. And most of the time, for what they're doing, they are, and I'm generally wrong uh, in their eyes. And then every now and then, you know, you're right. And Joe was the only one who would come back and say, you know what, Millen? and I thought about it and you're right. We shouldn't do that. Or I shouldn't have done that or whatever the case may be. So that was my experience with Joe. I haven't, that's the, the only experience I can go by is the one that I had with him, And he was always that way. So I don't know about you, Matt, but that's the way he was with me.
2: Uh, yeah. Look, you know, I, I, obviously I, I was interviewed for the E60 as well. Um, you know, Joe gave me the opportunity that no other school wanted to. You know, the opportunity to play Division One football at Penn State gave me the opportunity to be a starting quarterback there. Gave me a scholarship. Um, you know, and I, I've always felt like he always supported me. He's always had my back. Um, you know, I learned so much about life. You know, f- you know from playing for Joe Paterno that I mean things I use every day. You know, uh, being a good father being a good husband, being a good son, um, being a good brother, being a good friend. I mean, uh, those values that, um, you know, I learned playing again, playing for four years for Joe Paterno. I mean, I'll carry with, you know, uh, carry those things with me forever.
0: So. Yeah. That's, that's why I said in that thing, I said, I'll take the best of Joe Paterno mm-hmm. and, and stack him up against the best of whoever you got because yeah. his best was really good. Mm-hmm. One thing though, one thing that's interesting, Matthew is, The one thing you didn't learn very much, this is kind of ironic, uh, or as much as maybe you thought you would have learned, is is the sport of football. Yes. Because we were not, this is going to sound horrible, and I don't mean it to, but we were basically just taught the basics. And the rest was, if you can handle it, you did it. So, like when I was there with Bruce Clark, Bruce and I were, We didn't know it at the time, but we were, you know, kind of head and shoulders above the rest. So basically all they showed us is where to line up. I mean, Mm -hmm. I never knew, I never learned how to pass rush. I never learned. There's so many things I didn't learn or didn't know or have an understanding of until I got to the next level and was, you know, you really studied it and you were taught. And so basically at Penn State, we were taught the very basics. And I would say stance and where to line up pretty much that was it.
2: Yeah. I talk about that a lot, uh, actually, Matt, it's, you know, I kind of had the, the best of both worlds throughout my career at Penn state. I had a guy in Joe Paterno for four years who I learned more about life and football. Right. And for my, my fifth and final year, I had a guy by a guy by the name of Bill O'Brien, who, O'Brien taught, my, my guy. who taught me how to play football and how to play quarterback at an NFL level. Um, so I'm very fortunate. Again, I had two head coaches who, you know, Taught me so much again about life and football, where whereas some college players these days don't even have one. Yeah, um, so I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, it's very funny, lucky. For
0: Bill O'Brien, because Bill's one of my guys. Yeah, I've known Bill for a long, long time. He loves you, by the way. He says hello. <laughs> I spoke with him last night, and um, we, we we we. I told him that I'd be on with you today, and uh, first first words out of his mouth, that's a tough sucker. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you had so. to be tough, but to, you had to be tough to play for Bill. You did, you know. Oh, he yeah. demands yep. a lot Demands a lot out of his players, especially out of his quarterbacks. Yep. So, yeah. So,
0: but you so. learned you learned a lot of football with him because Bill. Oh yeah, Bill's a football guy.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. So obviously, uh, we're we're all here this week. In particular, uh you guys will be in State College, Pennsylvania, this Saturday for. Uh, the blue-white game. So uh, Matt uh, Millen, uh, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, heading into this game, um, you got to see plenty of Penn State in 2021. Is there anything in particular you're really hoping to get out of this blue-white game in particular?
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to see if they learned how to coach the offensive line yet. Because hmm. last, mm-hmm. last year when I was watching that offensive line, they were awful. And they had some relatively good players there. But their footwork wasn't very good. Their pad level wasn't very good. It was basics, and so you know, I go in when I go in and get ready for a game. And Matthew, when are you getting up there? Because I'm going up on Thursday, because I'll just watch all the practice stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm. A, I'm going to be driving in early Saturday morning. Um, I'm okay. my 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 family is going to come down with me. You know, my my wife, okay. our 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 two boys are going to come down. We have a three year old and a three month old. Oh my so. goodness. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited to bring them down there and be at the game. Obviously, walk around downtown State College, get, get, get a ton of pictures. You know, so that's, that's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, we have a couple of them around. They're called grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, the offensive line was the place that I was most disappointed in last year. Um, and as, as you know, Matt, if you don't have an offensive line, you don't have anything. Right. So they're the key to everything. They're the key up front. You have to be able to run the football. You have to be able to protect, give your guys some time, especially if a guy, if you have a guy and I'm not saying that, that, uh, that Sean's this way, but if you, if you get, if you have a, a guy who gets jumpy after he gets hit a couple of times, mm-hmm. you've got to rely on that old line to keep him clean. And so last year I thought that offensive line wasn't very good. And that's where I'm hoping that they're going to see the biggest jump.
2: I'll start there then Matt for you with that offensive line. How do they find continuity there?
0: Well, I mean, continuity, continuity starts at the top. You know that. And so then that has to filter down through the, through the coaching staff. And continuity has to be from one year to the next, the same system and the same verbiage and the same stuff over and over because, you know, and, and then pretty soon that offensive line coach is just reinforcing what the other players are telling those guys. And so really good continuity is when you have a guy there for a long time and they're teaching the same thing, the right things, and they're committed to it. And uh, and then the players basically – the best teachers are your best players because right. your best players are doing what they're, what they're supposed to do. And that's – the other players, the younger players look at it and go, oh, that's how you do it. When I got to Penn State, uh, and I was I was a linebacker, so I went back and I looked at uh, Denny Oncots. Then you probably don't even remember that name, but Dennis Onkos was a two-time All-American. And he went to the Jets in the second round, blew out his knee, never played again. But he was an excellent player. He was the only linebacker in the country who was returning punts. He was a great athlete. <laughs> so when I, uh, when I got there, I was like, okay, what's the best supposed to look like? Show me that. And so I, my freshman year, I dug up some old 1969 tapes, and I looked at Dennis Onkots. And from there, they moved me to, down, to the down lineman. And so who was supposed to be the best defensive lineman that Penn State produced? And so it was Mike Reed. And so I got all kinds of Mike Reed film. Mike Reed's one of my best friends to this day. I still, I still talk to him all the time. And, and uh, but, you know, I, it's funny when I talk to him about, I used to study him, and he goes, what the heck did you look at? <laughs> <laughs> you, but uh, that's, I believe that.
2: You, you talked about it being passed down, right? Starting with the coaches, year after year, guys finding continuity in the same system. And when you look at Penn State, like there has been turnover when it comes to these coaches. And, and specifically, the offensive coordinator, John Donovan, even let's go back to the start of James's career there. John Donovan, two years and gone. Wasn't very successful. Joe Moore had two years, takes the head coaching job at Mississippi State. Ricky Ronnie, two years, takes the head job at Old Dominion. Uh, Kirk Sharaka, one year and done. And now we're heading into... Mike Yurcich is year two, and in 2021, I felt like I was watching the same game plan week in and week out. Nothing changed. What does he have to do this year to improve his play calling ability here and kind of speed this process up so Penn State can compete with you know, the Ohio State's uh, offensively in the Big Ten?
0: Okay, so here's here's a piece of the puzzle that that people overlook, and maybe they put too much into it. So, scheme doesn't win. Scheme does not win. Players win. Players players are your whole key. And so, when you think you have a good player, I'm going to go back to the offensive and defensive lines again because that's where it all starts. To me, when I watch that offense, they don't have a shot. They didn't have a shot because their offensive line was – it wasn't very good. They were average. And so – you'd say, okay, how do we make them better? It still comes down to, look, the better athlete's going to win or the tougher kid's going to win or a Mike Munchak is going to win or, a, you know, whoever the case may be. The better players give you a better offensive line. When you have average players and a good scheme, you can be okay, right? If they're disciplined. But a lack of discipline and a lack of skill, you're going nowhere. I don't care how good your QB, QB is. I don't care. Look, the, the two best running backs that I've watched in Penn State's history, Kurt Warner, was phenomenal, and then say um, say uh,
1: Saquon Barkley, yes sir, Saquon,
0: yeah, and say say and 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 Kurt both were guys who could create, yeah, and they had to, because what was in front of them was the greatest running back I've ever seen as a pure runner and played against. Was Barry Sanders? That guy was a freak. I mean, it didn't matter. That offensive line they had in Detroit was—they were not very good. But he found ways to run for two thousand yards. I don't know how he did it. But, let
2: me ask. You, let me ask you this question then, Matt: Can Nick Singleton save this running game at Penn State?
0: Um, I don't know his style. Yeah. So is if, if he's if he's going to come in and he's going to be that guy who's a you know, like Saquon, if he has that kind of ability to be able to make you miss in the hole, um, that or that offensive line takes a jump. Mm-hmm. So last year, when I was sitting in a film room, just watching film, I I said to some people in the office, I said, how are they teaching this? And it was an inside zone. And, um, and they said, well, they're, they're teaching, you know, one lateral, one vertical. And I said, okay, that's what you're teaching. That's not it. Yeah. So what you see is what's being taught. If you don't see it, it's not being taught. And so you can say all the right things. You can say whatever you want. This is what we're doing. This is what he's supposed to do. This is this. That's what you're allowing. That's what you're teaching. And so when I put the tape on and I watch it and it looks like crap, that's what you're teaching. So, to me, that's where the whole thing starts. So Singleton, he could be, he could be a, he could be a stud for all I know. But if he's, if he's not a make you miss guy, if he yeah. can't just do it by himself, he's gonna struggle.
1: Yeah. Now, uh- Mr. Millen, uh, I'll call you that way because I can't do this Matt thing as much as I think about it (laughs) sitting here, Um, is that, you know, we're heading into this blue-white game and the format as of the day we're recording, this is Tuesday, this will come out Wednesday. As of right now, James Franklin's not announced what the format is of the game. Um, Speaking to Steve Jones on Monday on ESPN State College Radio, he said there was a scrimmage Friday um, that was behind closed doors mostly, and he said they got after it, which is great to hear. However, there are some questions about the depth and availability of the offensive line. So to what we were just talking about, how much can we even reasonably take away from some of the younger players like Nick Singleton, like the quarterback, Drew Alar, Bo Prabula, et cetera, et cetera, come the blue white game?
0: Uh, the blue white game is it's more for just the fans to see some things. Mm-hmm. It's that Friday scrimmage, that's the one I'll want to watch. Then I'll yeah. then I'll yeah. see some things. And if they did get after it, and I assume they did, that's usually when we did. This the blue white game was always just uh, you know, just for the fans. But uh, yeah. So it's still gonna come down to you you've got to take a step forward as as a as an offensive line and as a defensive line. I thought last year the secondary was excellent. I thought the uh I thought the linebacking core was was good, not mm-hmm. great. Um I thought their D line, I thought they I got they got pretty much a Mustafer's back, right?
1: Yes, yes. Recovering from uh, an injury. So he's expected to be back come September. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I thought he took a major step last year. I like that kid. Yeah. That kid, he he worked on getting off the ball and his, his first two steps were legit. And so, uh, and he's a big, powerful kid. So I think having him back is going to help them. Um, they've been, they've been able to get some pass rushers the last few years, Arbicchetti last year. I don't know about this year. I'll be anxious to see what they have. The linebacking core, I thought last year, the one kid I thought that would take a big step and he, and he never took the step was, uh, was Smith, the outside backer. He looked like a god and played soft. I just, every now and then he'd hit somebody. But when I start talking about being physical, I'm talking about, and Matt, you know this, you understand this probably as well as anybody. I'm talking about the inside game, right? You got to stick your face in there. You got to control your gap. You don't just get in your gap. You control your gap. And when you start, when you can control a gap and you control the line of scrimmage, then you win the game. And I, I, didn't, I didn't see that with him. I thought he was, I thought he was pretty soft at times.
2: You know I, I'm glad you brought up the defense because that's that's where I wanted to that's the direction I wanted to head in there but I want to start before I get into some uh, position specific questions for you Matt I, I want to start with the addition of Manny Diaz. You no know, yeah. what type what type of impact can a guy like him have on this team do you do you think it's going to be an immediate impact or is this something that's going to take some time here
0: No I don't think I don't think it's going to take some time because I think Penn State has good defense I, I think that um, they were disciplined. I thought that they had kids who understood the concept of of uh, controlling gap and maintaining gap control and so when you have that and you get that as a basic understanding, you're already a step ahead so a far a, way too often uh young kids don't understand the difference between um, being in your gap and controlling your gap and I'm talking; they they show up at the next level and i'm Uh, I used to have to – when I was a player, it would take me time to teach guys. And then when I was in Detroit, I would be like, what are you doing? Just just control the gap. Mm -hmm. Just control your gap. Understand the discipline of your scheme. Understand what you're doing. Know why you're doing it. And when that happens, then you got a chance. And so I think Manny will start there. I mean, look, cover three is not leaving anybody's defensive playbook. It's still going to be cover three. Yeah. It's going to be from the time, you know, we're going to still play. You're going to play one, three. You're going to play, you're going to rob things. You're going to do a bunch of things yeah. that are just basics. That's just what you do. But all of it starts up front, just like yeah. the offensive line.
2: The, the whole defensive line has experience, right? We, we've seen yeah. some guys get better as the year went on <laughs> last year. A few guys got some experience in the bowl game there. Um, these guys have played, so there shouldn't be any more surprises for these players, they should know what to expect now. But how do you find, with all this competition at the defensive line positions, especially the defensive end position at Penn State, how do they find that right combination right now as the spring ends and they move towards the summer workouts and training camp?
0: Yeah, well, they, they have a better idea now than they did. Yeah. That's for sure, right? So, And we don't get to see that day in and day out. Look, Matt, you know this better than anybody. The difference between players when they come in And when they become seasoned, it's confidence. That's the difference. Understanding and knowing what you're doing and knowing that no matter what they do, I'm still going to do my job. When that happens, then you got a good player. Now, sometimes you have some freaky guys who can do things above and beyond, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't have those guys. And so you just play with what you got. Manny, the best thing Manny can do is get a disciplined scheme. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing you can do. You can always dial up some blitzes and you can try to create things. when you start relying on that, trying to create mismatches and all that stuff, and that's what you're relying on, that means you're not very good. When you're talented, I line up with a base defense and beat the piss out of you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And when that happens, you know you win
2: that that's It's actually been talked a little bit about how. This defense under Manny Diaz is expected to take a lot more risks than I guess what we're used to seeing in years past with Brent Price, the defensive coordinator. Like, do you see this Penn State defense being able to do that? Knowing the offense certainly has a lot of question marks surrounding it.
0: Yeah, so it it just depends if you're going to roll the dice. So when you start doing things like that, when you start, if you're a talented group and you do those things, you can become dangerous. Yeah. If you're not as talented and you're trying to cover up for something, like usually you do that because you're covering up in the secondary. And so um, you'll take a couple of chances, and maybe you'll double something or you'll leave something underneath and let that go. But for the most part, if you have some skill, and I believe they have enough skill, um, and, you, and you mix that stuff in, heck, yeah, you can become dangerous. But I look at some of the great defenses. I think of some of the some of the Miami teams that were that had tons of guys on them. and they could play and they just basically played every now and then they blitz, but it was a simple blitz. They got there because they were better than you. So it's <laughs> look, everybody, every football game is the same, Matt. You know this. Yep. So you line up and you look at the defense and you look at the offense. And the offense, I look at the offense and say, okay, who over there scares me? And you go, oh, that guy, that receiver can make play, and that running back could be good. Okay, how do we stop that? And in the old days, we called that make them playing left, making them play left-handed, right? Take away their right hand, make them play left-handed. So we're gonna we're gonna roll to that guy, or we're gonna put our best guy on him and double over the top, and we're gonna force you to go to someplace else. And you do the same thing in the run game. And so the offense is doing the same thing. They're looking at the defense, going, "Okay, who do we have to be careful of here? Do we have to. Do they have a guy who can rush the pass? That's the first thing. Do they have a guy who can cover a, sh- a lockdown corner or, or a nickel or something? Do you have that guy? No. Okay, I like our chances then. And then you just play your game. And I hate to say, it's not like you're you're void of of uh, you know mixing it up sometimes because everybody does that. You have to. You throw a wrinkle in every now and then, but for the most part, think about you know, think about it. It's it's a critical time in the game. It's third and one. What are you going to? You're going to what you know works. That's what you go to. You take your best players, and you and you let your best players do what they do best.
2: Last two questions for me, and then I'll I'll pass it back to Tom, uh, Matt. You know, as you prepare for this game on Saturday, to you know, to call the game offensively. Does any one player stand out that you're, that you're anxious to watch?
0: Uh, there's some young kids that I want to watch. I, I do want to watch the young running backs, But for the most part, for me, I'll be looking at that offensive line. Right. And they have to get better at the tackle spots. They have to get better at the guard spots. I mean, I don't know who they're mixing in and out of there. I don't know. I'll see that when I get up there. But um, I was disappointed in that offensive line. Uh, last year and, and and the year before, Heck, last year they said they were they were going to be so much better. And I watched them I'm like they couldn't moved the ball an inch. It was compete beat the guy in front of you. How hard is that? <laughs> Geez, what
2: what about defensively? Anybody stand out?
0: Uh, well, I a year ago I loved that secondary. I thought they were pretty good. I thought you, you're going to get some some kids drafted pretty. When when's the draft? Is that this weekend.
1: I want to say two weeks. two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, it's usually like the last weekend in April.
0: Penn State's going to get some kids taken there, um, pretty high, and so um, I and, and out of that secondary, so there's still some kids coming back, but um, yeah, the secondary is probably the strength for me. I like that Jacobs kid. I would like to see Mustafa. He's not. He's probably not healthy yet or playing yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then I got I have to watch on the outside, see if they have any kids who are natural at rushing the passes. Mm-hmm. Because those guys, as you, you, soon as you see him, you go, OK, that kid can and that kid can. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what you look for I kind of like that Nick Tarburton kid a couple of years ago. He was he played really hard. Uh, he just doesn't have any juice, but he he plays hard.
1: Burton's in the mix uh, at defensive end. They just got a transfer in from uh, University of Maryland, Damon Robinson, that there's going to be some hype about, but he hasn't arrived on campus yet. Zariah Fisher just went down with uh, with an injury. Unfortunately, he's lost for the season, so a lot of questions at the end. And to what we were talking about, Matt, in terms of the availability of offensive linemen, we might not see a ton on Saturday in regards to O-line versus D-line, who really stands out, but hopefully everybody stays healthy and everybody has fun because that's literally all we're hoping for is nobody get hurt. Everybody just make it to Purdue in September, right?
0: <laughs> and Purdue has gotten better. Purdue, yep. I I think that's a pretty good program. I think he's doing a nice job out there. I just think um, he gets the most out of a little. He he's, he's pretty good. Well
2: said, well said, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Personally, thank you for all your contributions to Penn State and the game of football as a whole. Uh, The Big Ten Network will be carrying the Blue-White game this Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, live from State College. So, Matt and Matt, safe travels to State College, and we'll be watching you guys on BTN. Thank you, Thomas.
0: Matthew, I will see you up there. I'm disappointed you're not going to get up there early to watch film with me so I can (laughs) dog you a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> I always like I always like the locker room, Matt.
2: <laughs> uh, I'll I, I, I look forward to seeing you Saturday. I, I'm really excited to be a part of that group with you guys there, the Big Ten Network. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be great to be back, and uh, I'll talk to you then.
0: All right, my friends, Take care of yourself.